Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager, and welcome to the Fireside Chat with Otto. I've never put it quite like that. But Otto gets as much mail as I do now, so it, it would just be wrong. Otto, all good? What do you say, little man? This is the guy. Otto is a source of great relaxation in the Prager home. His uh, brother Snoopy, not blood brother, but love brother, is here as well. You don't, you don't happen to see him right now because he's way up toward the camera. But he might get up at some point. We didn't even know if this would work because Snoopy was actually in here and, and would not leave. But happily, uh, one of the young, uh, many young people who visit the house, uh, is uh, Snoopy is a big fan of his, so he got up. Anyway, that's the background on the dog situation in the Prager home. Welcome to my home. And what I do, I want to review this because I, I haven't mentioned this uh, in a few weeks. That's all. But I've, I've, almost said, I've said it almost all the time. This is my chance to just talk to you spontaneously. There are no rehearsed lines. There, there is no uh, teleprompter, nothing. Just an ability of given by this for me to talk to you from my heart to your heart and my mind to your mind. I've been talking for so uh, many uh, weeks now, months now, about social, political, and lockdown and virus issues. I feel somehow I have a little reprieve this week to give you some thoughts on the larger picture. And I'd like, I'd like to talk to you about the sadness that I see with all the chaos in America at this time and all the demonstrations and, and all of the riots and all of the anger and, and it's completely made up. I feel like I have entered a make-believe world as when I read the news, watch the news, watch what is happening. Let me put it to you very bluntly. Putting the, the virus aside, and I, I recognize that that's an issue, obviously. We were, until the virus, living in a golden age in America. A true golden age. People got along generally great. The economy was spectacular, better for everyone. We're preoccupied today with minorities, so just let me tell you, minorities had the highest unemployment rate since records of employment have been kept in the United States. Employment is not only important financially. Employment is important for one's dignity, and I'm a big, big believer in dignity, and for one's character, which I'm also a big believer in. Work makes better people. When you think about young people who inherited a fortune from their parents, many of them are lost because they, they haven't worked. It's a big danger to give your kids a lot that they haven't earned. Maybe you've heard me say, my favorite verb in English is not love. Favorite verb in English is earn. Earn is 
is the key to everything. You even earn happiness. There's no such thing as unearned happiness. There's no such thing as unearned self-esteem. People talk about self-esteem a great deal, but they don't talk about how do you get it? You, you can't be given it. You know, we give kids trophies for showing up at the game, but they didn't earn it. You don't earn a trophy for showing up. <laughs> you earn a trophy for winning. I never won. So I never got a trophy. My brother won all the time. I, I walk into my brother's room when, when we lived together in, my, in our parents' house. He's six years older than me. And I would see the, you know, his bookshelves lined with trophies. You came into my room. It was trophy free. So I simply learned. I, I, didn't, I didn't lament it. I knew my brother had earned those trophies. Uh, he was terrific at sports. I was not terrific at sports. So therefore, I had to grapple with who I am. I couldn't fake it. My parents didn't fake it. You're, you're really a terrific track star, Dennis. Well, I wasn't a terrific track star. Guys walked faster than I ran. Just the way it is. I made my basketball team only because I was so tall. I had no talent. And, and by the way, the coach knew it. The night I made the team in high school, he announced... Boys, it's going to be a bad year for this team. I really scraped the bottom of the barrel. Prager made the team. I don't know if I've shared with you my reaction to that. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was a sophomore in high school. And I had two reactions. This guy is a real schmuck. You know, a, a real jackass. At the same time... He was absolutely right. I remember thinking both those things. He, you know, he theoretically insulted and even humiliated me, but I am very difficult to insult, especially if it's true. <laughs> it was true. They did scrape the bottom of the barrel having me on the team. It, it was a blessing from my nature or from God that I lived with the reality of who I was. This I could do, this I'm, I'm not good at. That is so key to a healthy life. I wanted to earn whatever I got. I even believe people earn love. I don't believe, I don't believe in unearned love. If you are dating somebody, if that's the term that is even understandable today, if you are seeing somebody, if you have a significant other, let alone a spouse, you worked to earn that person's love when you dated, didn't you? Let's be honest. That's what uh, a good part of dating or seeing each other is about, earning the other person's love. I advise couples a great deal on my radio show on the male-female hour, which is every Wednesday, the second hour of my show. And I tell them, you should continue dating your entire married life. You should work on earning your spouse's, your wife's, your husband's love the rest of your life. That's a beautiful thing to do. Don't take, don't take the love of your spouse for granted. I don't know where the idea came out, unconditional love. If you actually look, Google has a fascinating thing. How often words are used uh, or have been used in, in, in America. Uh, I believe America might be the Western world or the English-speaking world. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it doesn't really matter. 
So I looked up unconditional love. In the early 1900s, it's almost at zero. And then, whoa, it is, it is like a mountain. The amount of uses of the term unconditional love after the 1950s. What, what does that mean? I love you no matter how you act? Who would you say that to? You abuse me, I still love you? You abuse others, I still love you? I mean, I, I, this thing wasn't about unconditional love, These the opening remarks. I simply, actually, I wanted them to be free thought, whatever came to my mind. This is a very important item. So earning is everything. So back to, I, how did I get there? Because of the importance of work. To earn money rather than to be given it. So I was talking to you about America being a golden age in a record percentage of Americans having a job and how important that is to your dignity and how important it is to your character that you are earning money. The worst thing is to be given it. I have friends, I people I know, not only in America, who because of the lockdowns in their countries and in America have no job. So they're given a government handout. They, they are so depressed over getting money that they didn't earn. That is good for them. That is such a, a good statement on their part. By the way, I have off, I do believe this. I don't speak uh, hyperbolically. Uh, I avoid exaggeration. I, so what I'm about to say may be wrong, but it is not an exaggerated point as far as I'm concerned. I believe it is harder for most people to get off the addiction to free money than it is to get off addiction to heroin. You get used to getting something for free and, and the ante is always increased. The goalposts keep moving. Well, if I get free this, why don't I get free this? Why don't I get free this? Nobody talks about that. Oh, we tell, oh, free health care and, and free college and free graduate school and free uh, lunches and free breakfasts. What does it do to people when they get everything for free and you don't earn anything? You breathe, you get. Maybe, maybe there's a price paid by the individual. It sounds good, but... You know, so drugs sound good, too. You'll feel great when you take a drug. That it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. I don't want anything for free. Nothing. I want to earn everything I have. It's a great feeling. The That's a great feeling. Where you earn everything you have. And then if you can support a family, too, that's that's almost ecstasy. Support yourself, you support your family, you support your community. That was the American ideal. But it's been shattered by the idea that the government should take care of you, the government should take, should take care of your family, and the government should take care of your community. It sounds very seductive, but it's catastrophic for the individual, for the society, and it, and it always increases. You know, they say... Uh, you know, people run for office and, and they run for office basically through bribery. You vote for me, I will give you the following amount of money. That, that's, that's how it works, isn't it? That's why I'm always amazed that any conservative candidate ever wins because they say, vote for me 
and I won't give you more money. I'll give you more freedom. The other side says, I'll give you more money, but it comes at the price uh, of your character and at the, pri- at the price of dignity and the price to the society. One man uh, went to a candidate who said, you know, I, you vote for me and I will get rid of all school, all college debt. And the guy said, but why? I worked very hard to pay off my, my child's college debt. Why is that fair to me that the next guy gets his college debt erased? And I, I the responsible citizen, paid the college debt that I, that I took. Nobody forced you to take college debt. Right? Nobody put a gun to your head and say, take out a loan. You took out a loan of your volition. Why shouldn't you have to pay it back? There are so many character issues involved in all of this. Here's more for free. How about this one? It's not free. Nothing's free. Somebody's got to pay for it. So it's the next guy who's paying for it. But it's really not even the next guy. It's the next generation. The amount of debt that has been transferred over to young people because of all the free things. Democratic Party in the United States wants to lower the age of Medicare. When Medicare was established and Social Security was established, people died at 65, 67. Now they die at 80. So why wouldn't we raise the age of Social Security, raise the age of Medicare, what, not lower it. These are ideas that are, are, are life-changing. The whole attitude towards society changes when you take that. We had a golden age. It's being ruined. And it's not, it's not even about, not just about race. By the way, the races in the United States, actually, the races in the United States actually get along great. That's the amazing thing. On day-to-day bases, blacks and whites and Hispanics and and Asians in America, they get along great. (laughs) That's the amazing thing. I, I am a real keen observer of human interaction. When I am at airports, for example, I watch the way people of different races interact. In the United States, it is so completely natural because basically most Americans don't give a damn. You're black, you're Hispanic, you're Asian, you're white. So what? Do we work together well or don't we work together well? End of issue. You care if your flight attendant is black or white? Who cares? I care if my my flight attendant leaves me alone about my mask. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, right now, that's my only concern. (laughs) Do they bug me the entire time or don't they bug me the entire time? I know this sounds terrible, but I sit in the front row. I always get the front row. I'm breathing at a wall. And unless you believe the wall can get sick, it's not a particularly big issue. But anyway, if they ask me, I do it. It's 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 a non-issue. But uh, nobody cares. I mean, that's the joke. It, 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 you know, I, I, I want only Asian uh, American 
flight attendants or I, I want only white flight attendants. Who thinks that way? If this is the feverish made up mentality of the people. Who, oh, Americans are racist. Whites are all racist. They, they, they don't they haven't lived in other countries. And as I always ask on the race issue, how come three million black Africans moved to the United States in the last 20 years? And that's those are the ones that are allowed in. Not everybody who wants to come into America is allowed in. If if the United States announced all Africans who wish to move to America can, I am sure 20 million would move here, probably more. Why would all these people want to come to a country that is systemically racist? You know, are, are they dumb? Are they ignorant? No, of course not. It's just America is, is a terrific place for everybody, not compared to utopia, but compared to the world. I, I'm going to put aside even all the this created, it's all created racial tension. I'm going to put that aside for a moment. Remember the gigantic march? Was it a million women march? Was that what it was called? Well, the, the march in the early part of the of the Trump administration, vast numbers of women dem demonstrating uh, uh, about uh, the sexism and, and anti-female uh, misogyny uh, in, in America. And I just remember thinking, in the history of Earth, where has it been ever better to be a woman than the United States? <laughs> and then... It, I use the term that I've used so often for the left. They're, they're the drama queens of, of the society. They, what is a drama queen? It's a very interesting term. Even there were drama kings too, so, but the term is drama queen. These are people who are personally relatively miserable, uh, unhappy in their lives, and they then blame it on society instead of looking inward. This is the key thing in life. If you have a troubled life, look inward. In the vast majority of cases, you are the problem and you are the solution. And what a great feeling to think I am the solution. Instead of marching against the free society, Really, if you're a woman in the United States, America is the reason you're unhappy? Do you understand how absurd that is? Likewise, if you're a black, it's America that is the cause. You're Asian. You're gay. I don't care what it is. America is the reason for your angst? Well, anyway, it's, it was a golden age, and, and we have more tension we're, I think, bordering on, on perhaps violence in this country over nothing in a country that is wonderful for most of its citizens. Okay, that's what I wanted to share with you. Historians will look at this as the most bizarre eruption of a society in, in history. Okay, let's take a look at the questions, and we begin with video question. Hey, Dennis. My name's Jonathan Morton. I'm a college student at the University of Idaho. I'm 19 years old, and I was wondering, what is a conservative argument against the idea that big government can work, but with the right people in charge? Thank you. Well, there are a lot of answers to that. First of all, uh, it's a great question. Uh, and I'm, I'm totally glad you asked it. 
Uh, first of all, anything works with the right people in charge. A dictator works. If you have a very wonderful, wise, honest dictator, that's called a benevolent dictator. That could work. <laughs> the trouble is, where are you going to find these people? When people gain power, they don't generally become finer, kinder, and wiser. They, they become corrupt because power corrupts. There are a handful of people not corrupted by power, but how do you know who they'll be? Unless you trust human nature, which no system, Judaism, Christianity, I don't think there was an ideology in the world until the Enlightenment that held that human nature was basically good. I have railed against that a great deal because it is one of the basic flaws that will, that will ruin us. The belief that there are these wonderful people that if you entrust awesome amounts of money and power to, they will only use it for the good of others. I don't believe they exist. I don't want such power. That's why I'm not on the left. I don't want power over you. And I don't want anybody to have power over me. That's, the ba that's why this country was founded, to have limited government because the founders understood how flawed human nature is. That's the whole point. You're going to entrust all of that power to a handful of people because they're just spectacular? It's so naive as, as to be frightening. Okadoke, let's go on. All right. Eric, 12 years old in New York. Cool. Which do you believe is the most harmful to society? Feminism, Black Lives Matter, or LGBT? You mean LGBT activism. I don't think LGBT is harmful to society. Uh, feminism has been Black Lives Matter as a group, uh, is, is a horrible group. And uh, almost everybody knows that. Uh, but uh, people are afraid to say it because the left uh, holds people in fear. Uh, it, it's it, it's an anti-freedom, anti-American, anti-justice uh, group. And feminism has done more harm than good uh, to women and to men. The feminists can't, uh, uh, they're, they're so woke, feminist organizations, they won't even defend girls who are losing athletic competitions against boys who consider themselves female. About 20 of the records in high school track in Connecticut are held by biological males running in girls' races. Is that fair to the girls? Just answer that question. If you, if you even find the question difficult to answer, that is very troubling. It is not fair. Biological girls should compete against biological girls. This is no statement on whether a person identifies as the opposite sex. That is their prerogative in a free society. But I, I have to guard the integrity of girl sports. Or the, why are there girl sports? The whole reason for girl sports is because of the biology issue. Not the identity issue, the biology issue. Anyway, there, there's uh, the, all leftist groups harm society. Read my article, see my PragerU video. The left ruins everything it touches. High schools, colleges, sports, late night comedy, 
the arts, the sciences, everything. It is a force of chaos because the unhappy run it. People who are, are miserable. Unhappiness is, is universal. How you react to your unhappiness is the determinative of your character. I'm okay, you're okay, America stinks is not accurate. I'm not okay, you're not okay, America's pretty damn good. That's more accurate. Scott 39, Victorville, California. Hi, Dennis. Otto and Snoopy. Wow. First time Snoopy, did you hear that? You are included. I'm an English teacher, and I was recently told not to teach classics such as Frankenstein, 1984, Les Miserables in my classroom. Thank God they did not discover I was teaching Huck Finn, or I might have been in trouble. That's right because they were not diverse enough and instead should focus on more recent books with non-white authors. My question to you is this, how should I respond to this request? And do you have a list of suggested books that I should consider teaching in my classroom, junior and high school students? Thank you and God bless. Well, I don't need to give you a list. You know, you know as well as anyone. You know better than I probably what the great works are that people should study. The whole point of the West is we take things because of excellence, not, not because of ethnicity or color. That's, that's the whole basis of Western civilization. If it's great, it's great. Period. End of issue. I don't care about the color of the author. You shouldn't care about the color of the author. That's racist. That's the irony. That is pure racism. We will choose books because of the color of the author? You have to be kidding. You choose books because of the excellence of the writing. I'm into music, as some of you may know. I conduct orchestras periodically. I'm very involved in classical music. The greatest composers were overwhelmingly German, or if you want to include Austrian, but that's sort of part of the German tree. So what? So is that an insult to the French? Is that an insult to, uh, I don't know, to the Portuguese, or let alone to, to, to non-Westerners? Beethoven and Schubert and Bach and Schumann. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a little, uh, it, it's almost intimidating. Mozart. Okay, so what? What do I care? I care about the excellence of the work. I know, I don't think, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> I just listened to Beethoven, and, and Mozart is also uh, a German, uh, so, uh, or Austrian, doesn't matter. And uh, I won't listen to Mozart now because um, I listened to too much Germans, too many Germans tonight. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that absurd? Is the Bible great or not great? The Bible was written by Jews. So, you know, not, not, it was not written by, by non-Jews. So are there too many Jewish authors in the Bible? <laughs> we'll drop Hosea and Daniel and, and Jeremiah and Isaiah. You know, we're going to put in other people because there's just too many Jews in the Bible. The, the, the absurdity of it. And, and, you know, I feel for you young people. 
you are not going to get the greatest literature or the greatest music or, or the greatest ideas because they won't be chosen on whether they're great. They'll be chosen on the skin color of the person who made them up. I feel, I feel for you. It's a loss. Joseph, 18, Chicago, Illinois. What do you think about brands picking a political affiliation? Do you think that people will start to only buy brands that align with their political affiliation? You know, for years I said on the radio, on my radio show, I can't stand Ben and Jerry. I, th- I, think, they're, I think they're truly uh, uh, dumb people. And they're, they're, they're dumb, and they, but they don't know they're dumb, which is, is a problem. And they, they are leftists, they're not liberals. But I always said, it doesn't matter. I believe you choose a product based on the excellence of the product. Whether or not Ben and Jerry are fools and leftists, it doesn't matter to me. I will still eat their ice cream. But once you start politicizing, like if you, what if you come out with, you know, uh, anti-conservative chocolate, you know, then, then I, 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 it's like you're thrusting it in my face. What Ben and Jerry think doesn't matter to me, but if they politicize their product like Nike has, I'm not going to have Che Guevara strawberry. That's, that's exactly the point, you know, or, 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 or Mao pistachio. People who murder tens of millions of people, I, I can't really celebrate them by buying a product that honors them. Uh, th- this is a very unfortunate thing. This is the politicization of everything and the ruination of everything. Listen, I listen to Wagner's music. Wagner was one of the biggest anti-Semites of the 19th century. Hitler loved Wagner. And I love Wagner's music. I listen to Wagner's music because I want the best music, irrespective of the, the views of the person who produced that music. That's, that's my, my view. But if you, if you look, obviously, if Wagner produced a uh, Jews Should Die opera, I, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, attend a performance of the Jews Should Die opera. He didn't produce one, but I'm just, I'm just saying. So uh, if, if, they, if they produce uh, ice cream that honors Mao or, or Stalin or Lenin, I don't know if they do, but I'm just giving examples, then, I, then that, that, that would be too much for me. We're good, Dennis. We are. All right. Look, this was uh, a lot of ideas, and that's what, uh, that's what I want to give you at every fireside chat. So great to hear from you. Thank you. On behalf of Otto, I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.